What's up, Brainwavers? Hope you're having a great day. We got a fun one for you. Our guest today is a retired coach slash teacher. Uh, he's been around for a while. He has learned some things over his time. We hope that he can inspire you, give you some uh, some good insights into what it's like to be an active person uh, throughout your whole life. And we hope you enjoy. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a new episode. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Brainwave Exchange podcast. We're joined today by a certified personal trainer and retired teacher slash coach, Jim Allett. Jim, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. I really? hope uh, I can uh, inspire some of your listeners uh, who are going to get a little bit of a slightly older aging athlete slash coach teacher perspective. And, yeah, uh, there's a lot of value in that. Well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Anthony, welcome to you as well. I'm just over here thinking, don't let him fool you, because I watched the guy run the Burnt Hills Mile Fun Run in six minutes. So, <laughs> it, wow, I can't even run a mile in six minutes, and I'm 34. So, well, remember that was slightly downhill, and there was ice cream at the end. So. <laughs> ice cream is a fantastic motivator. Uh, one other thing I want to ask you real quick, Jim, you mentioned while we were preparing for this podcast that you were recently inducted into a Hall of Fame. I'm curious to know which Hall of Fame that was, because that's a pretty cool accomplishment. Well, it wasn't anything on a professional level, but as I'll get into in a little bit, I've done a fair amount of coaching at lots of different levels from youth soccer right on up through NCAA. And this one was through my high school coaching at Potsdam in Potsdam, New York. And that was mainly because I had several undefeated teams, both swimming and in track. So that was a lot of fun. It was fun because we have moved away from the area and then to get back there and see lots of uh, not only familiar faces, but also some of my older, my athletes now that they're older. So it was, uh, yeah, yeah, one of my two Hall of Fame inductions. So it was a good time. Yeah, thank you for asking about that. Yeah, of course. I say that's a really, really cool accomplishment. So congratulations on that. Well, thank you. So now that we've sort of uh, gotten to the end of your journey, if you want to take us back kind of to the beginning, <laughs> tell us a bit about your background and you know how you got to where you are today. All right. I'm hoping I'm halfway through my journey. <laughs> as a 60 something. That's fair. Anyway, let me tell you, I'm going to start out first by saying how, how frequently I thank my mom because, and my dad, of course, he's passed now, but um, we, my Two siblings were all very close in age and also, you know, socially or whatever, had a, a what I think close to an ideal upbringing. And that is uh, moving to the Adirondacks in our teens and buying an old homestead type farm. And this large parcel of land was packed with everything from forests to hills, it had a pond, we had these beautiful boulders in back and we basically were the wild childs uh, in our upbringing and having the, the three of us there. We did everything from uh, trying to ski down our back fields, playing hockey on the ice. We used to make a luge run in the backyard where you could luge on down. 
Um, we we had all these old barns. It was very historical. We found all these old things. We've got lots of uh, great stories and things like that. You know, we used to make forts. It was just it's very fortunate. This is outside of the Keene Elizabethtown area, and also nearby we had a small local ski area. As many Adirondack towns did have back in the day in the 70s before the liability crisis came into play. And that little scary had just two runs, but we also, that continued our idea about outdoor and adventure. And we just grew up with this hunger and from going skiing, you know, twice a week, like I learned how to become a ski patrol. We used to do ski instructing. And at this time, my brother's actually bought the land and has brought the ski area back. It's called Otis Mountain. It's a it's just a wonderful thing, but that just highlights part of what growing up in the Adirondacks was like. And mm -hmm. because we were on a farm and we had many animals ranging from ducks and goats right on up to herfords, we also had chores and responsibility that went along with that. And that also, I think, is important uh, for youth and people growing up, just a, a sense of, of sharing and, and helping out, basically. Um, anyway, that really did set the hook, I think, for me and my siblings as well, uh, to continue on an adventurous mode. And then I ended up moving to Saranac Lake after I had a two-year degree. I was working in the hospital there for five years at Adirondack, <coughs> uh, the Adirondack Hospital there. And um, there I continued to meet more people. And Saranac Lake is kind of a hotbed. And we've started doing even more adventures. In fact, one of the big things we used to do was uh, we got into ski marathon racing, which is cross-country skiing. And we also got into a lot of hiking, backpacking, rock climbing, ice climbing, and things like that with a few of my buddies. And I'm still close with these friends. In fact, I just got back from a trip in the Sierra Nevadas doing a nine-day through hike with these same gentlemen that I also grew up with there in Saranac Lake. But in Saranac Lake, we got I got more into... Um, finding out more that was out there. We realized besides the ski marathoning, there was also, in all the other activities, there was backcountry skiing. That become very a big thing on our, uh, our agenda. My, I met my wife at the hospital. We started getting into canoe racing. So we've done the 90 mile canoe race, which some of your listeners may or may not have heard of. And that's a, a three day race through the Adirondacks with lots of portaging and things like that. Um, and then I also got more competitive in some areas. We were um, in Lake Placid in particular um, was a kind of a triathlon hotbed when the sport was first starting out. And even today, they still run, uh, this is the High Peak Cyclery store in Lake Placid, what's called the um, High Peaks Mini Triathlon. So every Monday night they have a triathlon series. And even my wife and I did that back in the 80s. So I was just up there this summer. Uh, also competing in those races. So uh, kind of uh, got me going on the triathlon thing. So I was always running and biking quite a bit. But um, And then from there, um, I moved to Potsdam. I've got my teaching degree and my master's and all that. And I started teaching and we started a family. And that also being away from the mountains led me more to doing um, even more competitive type things. So got more into running marathons, distance events. Uh, from there, I've done everything from Boston and New York City marathons to uh, something called the JFK, which is the country's oldest uh, running <clears throat> uh, and most attended ultra marathon. And that is a 50 miler that runs near Maryland that goes partly on the AT trail. So things like that, just uh, you know, between my teaching 
uh, and eventually getting into coaching, I was always trying to stay active and had, I always had to have something going on. You know, I'm a bit of a busy person and I'm into what I'm into. And uh, from there, I even got into bike racing. I ended up in Russia with a U.S. Masters team um, doing a seven-day stage race. So that was a great experience. Uh, and then eventually I got into coaching, like I already mentioned before, got into swim coaching at the high school level and also track and field. And then one thing led to another. I got more involved with Clarkson University, which is right there in Potsdam. And I began coaching first their cross-country ski team, which we call Nordic Skiing. Uh, and I continued that on for the next 20 years. And I also uh, have 15 years of coaching their cross-country running team. So I was coaching year-round, uh, two college sports, and then usually spring sport at the high school. And all this time, I tried to, again, keep busy while raising a family, doing everything else with my own athletic endeavors. So ultimately, I finished up with about 52 varsity teams that I've coached. And uh, eventually, after 31 years, we retired, and my wife and I have moved down to the Saratoga area, which is where I've met Anthony. And we've been down here a few years now, and during this time, we are uh, basically uh, in our retirement mode in a way, but that presents its own challenges, as you'll, you'll hear more about. But here we are. Very nice. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite the journey. Yeah, it's been it's been a blast, really. Like I said, I've been fairly spoiled. Um, I don't have a lot of big drama in my life, so uh, everything is going as planned. <laughs> I got to ask, uh, between the Boston Marathon and the New York Marathon, which one do you like more? Um, I would say uh, hard to compare, but there are two different events in a way. The Boston is has the history, of course, and it's very much the most noise you'll hear during a race for 26 miles and you've heard about the wellesley college girls and everything else yep but new york city uh because you're going through all five boroughs um doesn't have the heartbreak hill or whatever but it does have the bridges um almost as noisy i would say um i would say boston would be the tougher one of the two uh, but both of them, anytime you go to any event that has 30 to 40 or even 50,000 people, there's always a lot on the logistics of the morning of the race. And then, of course, afterwards and how to get home. And the, the last year I did Boston uh, was the year after the bombing. So we had there was more uh, restrictions and things mm -hmm. going on with that as well. So, yeah, both uh, good events. I recommend it. <laughs> Maybe one day. <laughs> So let me ask you this. You talked a lot about your uh, upbringing in the Adirondacks and being outside. And uh, how did all of those like life experiences growing up shape your your values and how you uh, brought up your, you know, you said you started to have a family. Like how, how did that childhood play into how you raised your family? Oh, uh, that's good. Um, I tried to I tried to raise my son in a similar manner we did a lot of camping i think camping is also a really good thing for kids so um it teaches them to get away from the all oh, the niceties the luxuries you know they learn how to tough it going to the bathroom without using a toilet um you know how to heat water like real basics uh, what are we having for dinner and um so we really pushed that and of course we were involved with other couples who were also raising kids so 
we would have uh, different hiking events and things like that. One of the other couples uh, has written a big book called Kids on the Trail. It's found in the Adirondack stores and it's all about bringing kids into the Adirondacks and hiking. And so we were, it's fun for us to see the book and see pictures of our son and my wife and I back in the day along with his friends and things like that. But it's always been um, an emphasis anyway to have a, a natural, healthy, outdoor lifestyle and living in the North Country, whether the Adirondacks or in the Potsdam area, both provided plenty of adventures and things to do. So I've always tried to live in a place where I can get my outdoor fix, if you would. Um, and in years ago, I did a race in Vermont, uh, Northern Vermont, it was called the trail race. We ran up Jay Peak Mountain and down another one. And I remember this was quite a while ago, maybe 25 years ago, I met a young guy in the bathroom on the way out of the campground and he said love what you do and do what you love and so i have tried to embrace that as much as possible and also instill that uh, with my family as well so um <clears throat> eventually i found that by <clears throat> a lot of the information things i was taking in and started coaching more that i i just felt uh, a need to share uh, some of my Oh, not only my love and passion for whatever the sport was that they were doing, but also about why and how they're doing what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? So um, I found that I'm a person who is what I call the builder, which means that I try to build on all my experiences and keep kind of them going in a, in a general direction. It just makes it things much more efficient and efficiency is important to me in such a manner that uh, no matter, I found that once I started applying myself to lots of different things, if I used my efficiency and the idea of building experience on other experiences, for instance, taking my biology degree and my interest in human physiology and exercise, applying that to, te to teach and coach my athletes. So again, that they would know why they were doing what they do. And I found um, one of the best ways for an athlete to give back to their coach and testament to your ability to coach well is if they go on and coach themselves. And so I'm um, like I was just mentioning in my Hall of Fame induction last weekend, it's always uh, super complimentary and a big thanks when you see some of your athletes go on and coach others as well and get involved with the sport at whatever level, you know, whether it's kids or adults or that type of thing. But um, I just feel, um, I don't know, I guess I would say, uh, well, let, me, let me give you an example of my teaching, what I tried to do. And sometimes I was unconventional, but one thing that you two might appreciate as academics is even if it was a regular standard high school biology class, I would spend the first two or three days doing study skills, you know, which sounds kind of boring and dumb, but I have learned that students learn and you'll have a much better year if you teach them not only how to learn, but how your memory works, all the different tricks that they can use. <clears throat> and they can employ that even in the, as a ninth grader. And I've even had students come back to me and say that those first two or three days really affected them as they go on and even get to get their PhDs and things like that. So um, being uh, unconventional and not afraid to try different things has always been something that always also adds a little spice to things for me. 
So a couple examples might be uh, with my sport teams, for instance, my track students, we had uh, back in the day, these old cinder tracks, uh, they were not rubberized or anything. And I used to try to get my sprinters fired up and build some strength and power in them by bringing my old Honda Civic out on the track, putting it in neutral. I would sit in the car with the radio blasting and they would have to push me around the track at different intervals. And they would go home and tell their parents about it. Or when I started coaching swimming, I found you just can't take a kid and throw them in the pool and expect them to swim two hours. They will have shoulder injuries. They have all kinds of other problems. So I used my, again, my background and everything and physiology, and they would be surprised to find out that they would be doing an hour, an hour and a half of dry land early in the season. And they may have included anything from trail running to all kinds of varying calisthenics and planks and all kinds of challenges and things like that. So I've always found uh, the best way to impact people like that is to use my teaching ability and explain things so they know the why, the how, and you know how, how long are we doing this for a coach and everything else. So that's really been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's cool. I, I like that about teaching kids the, the sort of study, uh, skills. Cause as yeah. I think, as I think back now, you know, on my own, uh, educational career, it's one of those things that like, I don't remember anyone ever teaching me. It's something I had to figure out for myself. And if I had yeah. somebody had taken the time to kind of teach you how to properly learn and study things, I think that would have been a massive benefit to me. Yeah, I feel a lot of teachers take things for granted. And unfortunately, as humans, we tend to do things the way that we were taught as well. So it's easy for people to fall into the mold of doing things the way that it was done with you. Or uh, you see this in coaching as well, where modern day coaches are still using like old school techniques or they're not stretching properly or they're just haven't been kind of brought up to speed. So, yeah, yeah. Stuff. And what you just said reminds me of the scene in uh, Cobra Kai where the kids are in the cement mixer and they're like, you need to turn the cement mixer. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take this uh, pu pu <laughs> <laughs> Pushing a car seems a little bit better than covering children in cement. <laughs> well, I have to tell them it could have been worse, like I said. Uh, so out of the, the many things that you've accomplished in your life, uh, are there any sort of big milestones or other things uh, that you're particularly proud of uh, that may have influenced your personal or professional development? Um, yeah, I guess if this is the opportunity to toot one's horn, um, I could probably separate into two areas. One professionally, like I said, as a, a builder, I would take um, a lot of my information, whether it was a biology, sciences, I've taught lots of different sciences and uh, apply that. And I, I just found I became more and more successful as a teacher and I enjoyed it more and more. I love kids. I, I really love kids. I love people. And I got more involved with uh, different clubs and things like that with the students. So we have um, everything from student council. I started the first environmental club at the school. And from there, we even started a school garden and I would have kids go out during classes sometimes and they would, most kids don't know anything about gardening. So uh, I just found that more and more, as you'll always hear, and I do subscribe to that success does breed success, whether you're encouraging people to do something or if it's your own personal success. So also with coaching, I started to have more success with that, more undefeated teams, like I said, 
that eventually led on to Clarkson and coaching there as well. I just realized that like most of us, hopefully you can be confident in anything if you really apply yourself. And it's just a question of uh, focus and, and keeping things going. So um, I went on to do, uh, started doing once my son had graduated from high school, summer research at Clarkson in different areas, mostly physiology related. So from balance studies on the internal ear to even um, diabetes and, and measuring blood sugar and things like that. So Clarkson's a technical college, so we did more technical things like that. And eventually, um, my last four or five years, I was honored as uh, one of New York State's master teacher. It's a new program that they do. And uh, that was also a big honor. I've had other awards as well. And, um, you know, I've never, like I said, do what you do uh, that you love and love what you do. And that has been, I think for me, finally, once I did get into teaching, I realized that this is kind of my thing. You know, I can do this, I can do it well. And a good teacher can usually make a good coach. So things have been working out pretty well. Uh, athletically, um, like I said, things have changed over time. I have done countless, I hate to add up all my registration fees over 40 years or more, but um, I've done almost every kind of race possible. So if somebody comes up with a race, I'm like, oh, I might've done that one. Oh, one thing I did was called the Canadian Ski Marathon. This is a 100-mile cross-country ski race up in wow. Canada. And you ski 50 miles a day, and you sleep in a little gym uh, uh, with all the other races. You wake up at 3 in the morning, and you get up and do it again. You know, I've done uh, Tough Mudders or Spartan races. I've done adventure races, kind of similar what to what Anthony has done recently. Um, let's see, besides the 90 miler, the JFK, I talked to you about the marathons. I got into, uh, off-road triathlons, which, uh, Xterra would be a typical example of something like that. A lot of fun. I found more and more that I was getting, um, I'm less road oriented and more wanted that adventure side of things. So I've always enjoyed races more that you didn't know what was going to happen. And they would throw something at you. And this could be, you know, hiking up a mountain or whatever you know just this summer i did uh the a famous race uh, in the catskills a ridge race that climbs five different mountains and part of the race uh you're going by like uh, where airplanes have crashed uh, in the mountains or whatever like like this is pretty good stuff uh, i also got into canoe and kayak racing uh things like that but basically, as I got a little older, um, I just find myself even shifting more, uh, especially once COVID hit and I retired into more trail-oriented stuff, so hiking, things like that. And like I said, what I get into, I get into, and I started hiking everything from the Northville Passage Trail with some friends and doing that as a through hike. This past summer, I did the Long Trail, which is the length of Vermont, which is 270 miles, and that was a solo trip, my first solo that was a blast. You can learn a lot about yourself on solo hiking, by the way. And I got to meet some of those interesting AT hikers, which you may have heard some stories about. Uh, also along the line of hiking, I wrapped up my 46ers. I'm working on my winter 46 now. And I've been, like I said, trying to hike more and more around different parts of not only the country, but also the world. So uh, in the country, I do something called the high points. Each state has a high point, and I have only three of those left to go. I banged out three more of those this fall. 
um, outside of the country. I've been down to Ecuador now with some friends doing some volcanoes there. One of my friends had a goal to get over 19,000 feet. And so uh, two years ago, we climbed Cotopaxi, which is down in Ecuador. And if you want to see what your body does above 14,000 feet, which is pretty much the highest in the U.S. you can get, there are other opportunities out there. So it's it's really been a lot of fun. And um, I'm still looking and reaching more. Let's put it that way. I have a, a calendar in front of me of my whole year. And I have my biggest goal or one of them is to try to get new, exciting and cool adventures to do. That's so cool. That's just so cool. I'm, I just want to stop for a second. Like you've done some amazing stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've done a lot in the past few years and people comment on, well, that's the way to retire or whatever, but there's a lot of people who do retire who don't take care of their themselves and their bodies, either physically and mentally. And so by the time they do retire, that could be almost the, the you know, if you're not doing something good, then you're probably on your way to dying. And so, there's lots of stories about people retire and they can't handle it. And, you know, they have alcohol issues or depression or things like that. And I think you, you got to take yourself into retirement in a, in a positive, optimistic and fit way to, to really get the most out of it and enjoy it. And it's not all about retirement. You know, you don't have to retire, but just stay active with things as you age. All right. Have a purpose, right? Yeah. Yes. Have, yeah. Have a purpose. That's pretty good. So uh, we you talked about a lot of your uh, accomplishments. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the challenges that you faced while you were like working on all of these things and how you overcame them? Um, yeah, and you know, I would say, like I already mentioned, that my life has been a fortunate one that's been low drama. So I don't have any really major challenges in the way. They've more been along the lines of things about what we've been talking about, but. Speaking of retirement, I would say one area that could provide a challenge to people is is the transition. And that's transition could be from a working life to a retired life. The transition could be moving to a new place. It could be, you know, some other major life challenge, divorce or whatever. Uh, for me, it's been transitioning into retirement. And then, as you mentioned, Anthony, trying to stay stimulated uh, but that's difficult when you move to a new area because you really don't know anybody. And that's one of the reasons why I've been joining groups. Uh, I'm meeting Anthony, for instance, at the Saratoga Triathlon Club. Um, other things that I've gotten involved with to keep myself active. I have a friend who works at the YMCA and I got my lifeguard certification. So I work basically part time at the Y lifeguarding, uh, helping out. And uh, that's been kind of a treat for me to get to know some of the people there. Um, to continue my adventures, um, I bought a travel van. My wife and I were in New Zealand on one of our early trips, and we got to try different types of vans. And now I have a, I think I have it kind of figured out, a basic camper van, which allows us the freedom to travel with our dog around the country or, um, or myself even. Sometimes I do my own crazy, more extreme adventures. And that has been a real boon as well. That's been a lot, you know, so even right now we're planning a trip down to South Carolina to visit my son. Uh, so, I mean, having the van has been great. Um, and there's the sticker on my van and there's only really two stickers on the van. And one I was of the hoping stickers, you said, talked about this. 
<laughs> well, I'll talk about the lesser one, <coughs> excuse me, of the two. And one of them is um, one of my favorite challenges is called the New England Ultra 8. Excuse me. Which is eight of the iconic hikes in the Northeast. And somebody has come up with a patch for this. <coughs> and for an example, one of the hikes is to do the 50-mile hike that goes around Cranberry Lake, which is in our area. So everything has to be done in one day, and they're all extreme. So they could be usually over 30 miles to up to 50 miles. And I did all those uh, in a year. So that was a lot of fun. Um, the other thing is the other sticker on the van, of course, is uh, Adventure Before Dementia, which I... I now use in some of my Facebook posts and things like that. And it, it's the same theme that you're seeing with me now, which is you, you got to get after it. You got to stay active. My twin brother's in Scotland right now doing bike packing, which is mountain biking with a pack. Uh, my sister just got picked her up from the airport yesterday from France, where she was there for the Rugby World Cup. So we've, like I said, I think it was our upbringing that has us in this mode of <clears throat> what's next basically uh, so that's been kind of a challenge like i said moving down here and getting out and meeting new people another thing i did as well was joining lasar which is the acronym for the lower adirondack search and rescue team and this also has been surprisingly stimulated and i these are kind of like-minded people they wanted to be in the outdoors they want to give back and it's been very educational learning everything from compass you know good old school compass stuff gps's how searches are done, <coughs> excuse me, and things like that. So joining the search and rescue, I would highly recommend to people. Um, it doesn't have to take all your time. Um, I would say the second major challenge or whatever, and again, this will relate to your topic of health and wellness, is becoming an aging athlete and what, what you're going through, what happens mentally. And I see aging athletes all the time, either at the Y or doing other events. <clears throat> and it's not, it's not easy. What I tend to see is most people, when they start not being able to do the times or be, have the ability they did in their younger years, in their 30s and 40s, they just stop doing it. And that's not good. So I'm a big fan of doing anything to encourage people to stay active and do things. And a good example, there's, there's a, a running group here called ARE, the Albany Running Exchange. And one thing, excuse me, that they introduced me to is something called age grading, where they will take the results from a race, flip them around and let you see them based on a handicapping system that uses the person's age and gender. And they will rate you on a percent. And this is done, I see it now more and more, uh, sometimes at a national level, though. And, you know, possibly you might have a 85-year-old woman win a 5K race using this kind of a system. So I like to see, besides, you know, age group awards and things like that, I like to see any kind of a handicapping or whatever that encourages people to do this. Like one of my dream or goal races might be is to... Uh, have everybody start at different times with the slower people first and then have people come through at the end like that. So um, other challenges of the aging athlete besides staying motivated is letting go of your old times. Just kind of start with a blank slate. You're always in a battle against something called sarcopenia. And this comes from my personal trainer experience. 
that's a loss of muscle. And so we lose about 5% of our muscle every decade after turning 30. Gentlemen, so uh, you got to do more than just do aerobic sports. People think I just go out for a little jog and I'll take care of it. But you really need to work hard to lift, build muscle, do whatever it takes, challenge your body, stress it in different ways, throw curve balls at it and uh, kind of break out of the mold. So, you know, whatever that takes to do that, you know, I would love to help encourage people to do that through my own personal training experience and things like that. So that's the other one, you know, you can't rest on your laurels. Best to hang out around younger people. There's a couple in Lake Placid that I do a lot of my adventures with and this summer or this summer, this winter, we did a, a, a epic trip called the Haute Route. It's H-A-U-T-E. And this is a ski mountaineering route that goes from Chamonix through the high points in the Alps, <clears throat> finishing in Switzerland, and you're staying in these high mountain huts or whatever. And it was a blast. And people are surprised to see sometimes older individuals doing this. I'm like, you got to keep yourself going. Um, you know, I got to try to keep up with my 30-somethings here. For <laughs> so anyway, it's been um, a challenge, but I'm up for it. Yeah, that's that's some really fantastic insight. That trip through the Alps sounds phenomenal. I'll have to do that one day. You should put it on the old bucket list. I absolutely will. Yeah. So earlier, you said that yeah, you hoped that you were halfway through your journey. So looking ahead, what are some <laughs> what are some goals that you have for the future? Uh, let's see. Uh, short term, briefly, um, keep up the travel adventures with my wife and I in the van. I'd like to get more into Europe. Um, that trip to Switzerland was a good taste. We've just booked a, a neat uh, adventure called Bike and Boat, which is offered by a company in France where you will travel by boat. Uh, at night and during the day, you'll travel on your bike and then you meet up with the boat at another location. And there, therefore, all of your stuff is being moved along because you can travel light. You know, we'd like to do more things like that. Um, some uh, a big thing in Europe, especially Great Britain, is just doing these uh, walks on different tracks where you can go even cross country. There's one in England and I'm eyeing right now. So more of that. I'd like to get more into bike packing as well. And I would actually like to bang out parts of the AT if I can. That's called section hiking. A mm -hmm. uh, long term, like I said, trying to stay healthy enough to enjoy life, uh, live a quality life. I may get involved with co coaching college in this area. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, but more so, I'd like to continue more with my certified personal trainer degree. And uh, now I have a certification in nutrition as well. I'd like to do more with that. Maybe it's working with everyone but triathletes, possibly, like Anthony and others, or uh, even working as a personal trainer at the local Y. Well, we'll see what happens. But, you know, I just got to keep something going on. You know, you got to have something in the fire. Jim, I know this empty building next to Stewart's that I'm interested in. <laughs> <laughs> say no. <laughs> if you need me to come in and help find and get that thing going, I could do that. But I don't know if your wife, I think you ought to talk with your wife again. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Jim, this has been an absolutely fantastic conversation. Uh, you've given so much incredible information and insight. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Well, I think, like I said earlier, the brainwave exchange is right up my alley here. Um, 
I think you guys are doing a great job. I like your your pioneering this in this these early stages. So keep up the good work. Um, happy travels and adventures, and keep yourselves fit. Anthony, any parting thoughts? No, I'll see both of you soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you Thanks, again. Everyone. All righty. My pleasure.